Welcome back to another episode of the Pandemic Job Hunt. This podcast aims to break down key techniques and to uncover the industry secrets to help you stand out in getting a job during this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic we are living in. And I am your host, Andrew Barry. I am excited to showcase my next guest today, His name is Rohan Seth. He's a good friend of mine and we've known each other for almost a decade by now. He's an individual who lives by his own set of noble core principles and I truly admire that about him. We had a fantastic conversation and in this episode we break down his philosophy in approaching the job hunt, networking tactics, and ideas on how to stand out amongst the other applicants. Stay tuned. Hey Rohan. Hey Barry. How you been? I've been good. It's been a while. It has not. Well, it has been a while in my books. Okay. Yeah. So, I usually start with uh, asking my guests, um, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Is this a job interview? (laughs) No. Okay. Just tell me a little bit about yourself in terms of like, uh, you know, what you believe in. (laughs) That's... (laughs) What have you been up to lately? Um, All right. So, uh, recently... I have been up to, well, mostly moving, trying mm-hmm. to figure all that out. And uh, work-wise, working at uh, a hotel company, mm-hmm. Lifehouse Hotels, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of just trying to figure out revenue and marketing stuff. So when did you start working at Lifehouse Hotels? Uh, almost two years ago. Oh, it's been, that's congratulations, two years. Uh, Not, it hasn't been two years yet. But almost. Almost, yeah. So how did you find yourself landing in the position of uh, working for Lifehouse? So uh, this was a friend of mine who I mm-hmm. used to work with at Sonder, mm-hmm. um, moved to Lifehouse while I was at Capital One. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a similar role that he did at Sonder for Lifehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he just messaged me saying, hey, by the way, I moved to this new company, very similar to Sonder in the size that they're at. Uh, would you be interested in having a conversation? Mm-hmm. So we had that conversation, and at that time, I was ready for a change from Capital One. So mm-hmm. we started talking more. So it was kind of like there. a chance happening, and then your friend reached out to you, and like the perfect time for you to make a change. Yeah, like we didn't do it immediately, but okay. we started the conversation. We kind of kept it in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. Then when I was ready to fully make the change we kind of agreed upon like a consulting contract and that turned into something more. So not as... Okay, well, what was the driving factor you, th- you think uh, was the key movement for for you to actually make a change from Capsule One to Lifehouse? Mostly just wanting a more fast-paced environment, mm-hmm. something where um, you can have more of an impact than you can in a larger corporation mm-hmm. and a place that kind of just less hurdles to get some stuff done. Mm-hmm. That was that was the bulk of it. I love the people at Capital One. And how long were you at Capital One for? One year. Okay. Because I know before Capital One, you were working at Sonder mm-hmm. for some time. And so you had that startup experience. Mm-hmm. Then you went straight to the corporate experience. Mm-hmm. Then went back to the startup experience. Could you tell me a little about the experience between the two? And like what made you choose to go back into a more smaller... Uh, I know you said... 
obviously, you know, you, have a, you can think you have a better impact on your work, uh, but what were the other reasons you would say when you transitioned to Lifehouse? So when I was working at Sonder, that was my first job. Mm-hmm. So that was just me getting a taste of what working in a yeah. job is like. And I loved it, learned a lot, people were great, and it was one of the most fulfilling career experiences for me. Mm-hmm. And after that, Sandra moved to San Fran, uh, so I was trying to look for what else I can be doing, and I was pretty burnt out after Sandra. Yeah. Really? So I thought, okay, a more corporate kind of structured role maybe is not the worst thing for me. And it was perfect for the moment, Capital One. And that's why there's pros and cons of each, I find. Mm -hmm. In that moment, it was perfect for me to be there, kind of get my life back together, uh, move to Toronto and Mm -hmm. make that move fulfilling and and fun, meet new people Mm -hmm. and get all of that sorted. And when I felt like my life was back in a good place, Mm -hmm. um, what I missed was the excitement, the uncertainty, Mm -hmm. the fast-paced nature of being in a small company. Okay. So that prompted me to to make the shift again back back to startup life. Did you happen when you moved to Toronto, like kept your eye out in terms of like various job postings or different, say, startup companies that's happening in Toronto that, that you thought like, okay, maybe down the line, I'll, I really want to network and like get my way into the startup community in Toronto again or... Yeah, so not immediately when mm-hmm. I came, because I was still trying to get my life together, but like nine months in or so into the Capital One stint, mm-hmm. I started looking. Mm-hmm. So the usual, you know, going to startup open house, mm-hmm. kind of like checking angel list, seeing mm-hmm. the companies there, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what is my unique selling point to mm-hmm. these companies, and just kind of starting the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them went somewhere, some of them didn't go anywhere. Okay. A lot of it I find when you're dealing with such a small pool of companies, mm-hmm. let's say startups in Toronto, mm-hmm. that could potentially need BI help. A lot of it is about timing. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to make a quick switch, it's not always possible mm-hmm. because not everyone is hiring for business intelligence, which mm-hmm. was what I was applying for or trying to get into. So you were not in business intelligence in Capital One? Uh, I basically was. Okay. Similar type. That was my skill set. If I had to... So also in Sondra, you say you're BI yeah. as well. Okay. So that was that was my... If I had to put down what value I can add mm-hmm. on paper, it would be business intelligence. Okay. So when I reached out to these companies saying, hey, this is what I do, I'd love to learn more. Uh, Usually it went to the learn more stage, Mm -hmm. but only like one or two of them was hiring for a BI Mm. and didn't get those jobs. Okay, so let's rewind. So you said um, you were, you reached out to these companies to like, you know, pitch your skill set and like kind of learn more about like what they do and like, you know, have this conversation started. How did you do that? Like, who did you reach out and like, what were your main strategies and like actually landing those conversations? So my go-to strategy mm-hmm. for these kind of situations is starting on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So first I start with kind of like a list of companies that I'd be interested in. Since I kind of narrowed my focus down to startups mm-hmm. in Toronto, the list was maybe like 30, 40 companies. Mm-hmm. There wasn't infinite. It wasn't mm-hmm. huge. Then I look at in each one of these companies, do I have any existing contact, which mostly was no, because mm-hmm. I was more used to the Montreal mm-hmm. startup community. Then I look at, is there anyone that I'm really close to who has an existing contact at these companies? If so, reach out through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for a few uh, companies, people that I used to know at Sonder, worked at some of these companies. Um, 
and or they had friends who worked at some of these companies so try and look at that second degree connection yeah. kind of thing otherwise i just try and find uh the most relevant senior person in what i'm applying so you went for straight for the senior guys i go for like not the ceo yes. depends on the size of the company so for let's sure. say it's wealth simple yeah i think something that everyone knows i would go for like director of product or mm. director of business intelligence okay kind of like director level for the lane that i'm applying for so director level so you like did you avoid say like recruiters or hr folks always avoid them okay is my thinking interesting they get bombarded mm -hmm. with inbound and they just like get so many things headhunters all of this and that yeah. and they i don't think are the best suited to make the decision on who would be a value add to the company okay in my opinion so what kind of message would you, uh, you know, say to these senior folks in these companies for them to really look at your message and be like, hey, this guy's an interesting guy to talk to. Like, did you start with asking a question? Um, what was your strategy for that? Uh, my strategy has always been don't go in looking like you're looking for a job. Okay. Don't give them the impression that you're looking for a job. Mm -hmm. So my thesis on this is people love talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. So the first few conversations is just, can I learn more about your journey? Okay. I looked at your journey. It inspired me. It really resonated. I'm, I want to be you, but in like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So can you give me like 30 minutes of your time mm -hmm. to let me know how you did it? Okay. And people are usually pretty receptive to that. I would say like okay. 50, 60% reply mm -hmm. and they're like, Hey, let's get on the phone and we'll have a conversation or let's grab a coffee. Mm -hmm. We'll have a conversation. And then in that conversation, you could hint that you're looking around, but mm -hmm. if you sound desperate, I feel like it kind okay. of gives them the flags of like, okay, this guy's just talking desperate. to me because he needs a job. Got you. Um, so I just try and have those conversations and always after the conversation, I follow up with, since I listen to a lot of podcasts, usually like, hey, based on our conversation, I think these podcasts would be something that you'd enjoy or these mm -hmm. articles uh, and kind of keep that relationship going. And then let's say in X number of months, mm -hmm. be like, hey, I came across this job post. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on it? Is there anyone at the company who would be a good person for me to talk to to learn more about that job post? So you had a very long term long play for like each of this uh these people from in different companies yeah uh not looking for you know an actual guaranteed job just have the conversation open so they can think about you down the line or you know they'll respond to you when you actually do want to look for a job i think it's the latter so it's uh, yeah. just like i don't think they'll ever be thinking about me because okay. it's very hard for people to remember yeah but i know that if i ever do apply mm -hmm. that i can reach out to them after referral kind of a referral to be like hey i'm actually i saw this this is mm -hmm. super interesting is there anyone that you know mm -hmm. that i could talk to and then if i apply they know my name mm -hmm. then you send them like hey by the way i applied mm -hmm. they'll be like it'll go to hr but they'll go to hr and be like i kind of know that kid okay that kind of vibe okay okay so that's uh definitely a long play but you're also i guess you're really focused on the networking aspect of just building and growing your network regardless of if there's an opportunity or not just Putting yourself out there and just making the right connections is what uh, your strategy you're putting into your network. Yeah, I think, yeah, again, my philosophy there has been would this conversation mm -hmm. or connection be useful even if I wasn't looking for a job? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then it's probably not the conversation to be having. Okay. In my opinion. 
So now that uh, you know you're in a job right now and you have a, a few years of experience under your belt, uh, have there been anybody who actually reached out to you looking for a job or you know done what you did, say like two three years ago you know, when you reached out to other people? Yeah, often mm-hmm. it happens pretty often. Similar strategy and now as I got into more the recruiting piece yeah. of it, so what I noticed is. You put out a job description because you're like, hey, need an analyst on this team. Yeah. You put out a job description, you put it on like all these job boards, mm-hmm. and it's just one software that puts it on all the job boards for you. Okay. You get hundreds and hundreds of applicants a week. Yeah. The first like 10 you get, you start looking at them because you're excited because you just put mm-hmm. a new job and you're getting applicants. Mm-hmm. After that, you're like, this is overwhelming. I'm sure. And especially if you're not an HR person and you have other stuff to do. Especially is... like right now during this pandemic, like people are like, yeah, I see like job posts on LinkedIn is like 500 to a thousand posts. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And for each one of those, you're probably getting like a thousand to 2000 applicants from other, you know, sources as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not just LinkedIn applications. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it's overwhelming mm-hmm. and slowly, I mean, actually very quickly for me, I got to the point I'm not reading any resumes that come Okay. Because there's no way to effectively screen that mm-hmm. very quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading any of them. So there's probably like, for this analyst position, probably like a thousand people who applied, mm-hmm. maybe like 700, 800. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the first 10, I stopped reading the resumes. Okay. And so the only people I actually had conversations with were people who reached out in other ways. Really? So anyone who messages me on LinkedIn... Mm-hmm. I'd say like 90% of the time, unless I completely, it slips out of my mind, okay. have a conversation. You actually reply to them. Reply. Okay. Because they'll always say, can I take 15 minutes of your time to learn more? Okay. Something like that. So always generally try and reply. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And after you have a conversation, you're more invested in that person mm-hmm. than just a resume. So say that job you just put out uh for an analyst position you get thousands of applications how many people actually take the time to connect with you on linkedin and and try to actually make a connection and have a conversation i would say for this job yeah five people did that only five people versus like thousands of people yeah that is crazy and you and i guess with five people it's very easy for you to just have a conversation with each one And, and when it comes to people reaching out to you what do you like to see in their message, their initial mes- message in terms of like, oh, this person is interesting. Like, do you look for, oh, are they asking a question? Are they, you know, maybe more direct or versus like someone who's actually, like you said, you're asking for your story. Mm-hmm. I think what I look for is if it's super salesy mm-hmm. in that I'm looking for a job, can we talk kind mm-hmm. of thing? It's a bit more of a turnoff mm. um, just because I think there's more thoughtful ways to show that apart from just seeing the job posting, you did mm. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best ones I find are, I saw the job posting, checked out your website. This is where I'm super interested to learn more. Mm-hmm. And this is why travel and hospitality is something that you know I, I'm mm-hmm. interested in. I just love to hear your experience on that and talk about it. Okay. If they are saying, hey, I saw the job posting and that's why I'm kind of inquiring, mm-hmm. I just find it's great when they provide some sort of evidence that they've done their research mm-hmm. or have thought about 
how does this job really intersect with what they want to do in their career and mm-hmm. where they can add value etc okay. so they say like they do just some research of like for example lifehouse uh leverage what their experience is in terms of relation to like the job posting then showcase like how they will add value into the company yeah okay and i find the sometimes it's hard to do that in a linkedin message obviously you yeah. don't want it to be super long so i find what's really really at least impresses me is we mm-hmm. have the 15 minute conversation usually they'll be like hey i'd love to learn more about lifehouse i give mm-hmm. them the spiel about lifehouse mm-hmm. love to learn more about your journey i give them that thing mm-hmm. i ask them tell me about what you're looking at mm-hmm. they give me their uh, spiel mm-hmm. and after we're done with the conversation if they send me like sometimes people ask can i just get your email to stay in contact mm-hmm. always yeah take my email if they send a very thoughtful an interesting email after mm-hmm. being like sometimes i've seen people actually say hey uh in the conversation they may ask like what are your pain points these days they do some research on that and give me a little write up okay i think that cuz that's a lot that's like a lot of effort to look for a job in general but your conversion rate on these mm-hmm. is much higher than writing a cover letter so definitely there is like two strategies like you know very like high investment in like high quality job applications versus like you know shoot it all low quality just uh see what sticks yeah definitely but, two strategies here yeah but i just think the second one mm-hmm. from my very very limited sample size of experience mm-hmm. on both sides of it i've seen the returns to be much much higher mm-hmm. very limited sample size though and only for startups only for startups. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, uh, if, if this is true still for, say, large corporations. Like, if you were back in Capital One, would someone reach out to, like, the director of X? Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. But there. for startups, you would say this is a much more, a very successful strategy that's been proven. With anecdotal evidence. Well, with, obviously with anecdotal evidence. I mean, like, what, what do you hear amongst, you know, your peers? Same in thing. Ter- in terms I think- of, like, this strategy in specific, specifically. So with Lifehouse, I think if I had to guess, over 90% of our hires mm-hmm. are something like this. Okay. Slash friend of a friend of a friend. Okay. Referral slash reached out personally. Mm-hmm. These are high quality applicants. High investment. High investment, high quality yeah. applicants. So when you, you know, you look at these applicants and they reached out to you, uh, then you start with the interview process, whatnot. Uh, what kind of experiences are you looking for in them? Like, what are the key, what you call it, um, signals you look for in a, in, a, in like an applicant? Well, it's probably different for every job position, for sure. seniority level, mm-hmm. all sorts of things are different. I think without making it too focused on analytics or BI, mm-hmm. I think showing that you're a self-starter. Mm-hmm. Well, again, this is uh, just my experience and what we look for here. Showing that you're a self-starter, thoughtful, smart, and hardworking is generally mm-hmm. the soft skills. So what do you mean by self-starter? So we just hired, so the analyst we ended up hiring, mm-hmm. his name's Nathan, he started a few days ago. Okay. And what struck me about his profile was instead of having a resume, mm-hmm. like a traditional Word doc resume. Okay. Uh, and cover letter situation he made a page on notion i don't know if you've heard of notion i know what notion is yeah so he made a page on notion which talked about his journey his skills 
linked out to a lot of the work that he's done. Okay. Uh, even his like interests, like music and photography okay. and all of that stuff, the books that he's reading, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff was on this page. And at the end it said, if you want to meet for a virtual coffee, you can schedule some time here and okay. we chat. And at the, at the top it had like, he's looking for BI jobs recently okay. moved to Toronto. Wow. So this is like a, a landing page for like his, uh, yeah. his life exactly. and work. And that's pretty cool. For me, that was just, and I ended up reaching out to him. So he didn't, he didn't reach out. I ended up reaching out to him. Really? And how'd you find him? Uh, he, so after, uh, the pandemic situation started, yeah. uh, a lot of people in, tr- in Toronto and other places obviously mm. laid off from their current jobs due to a variety of reasons. Um, they made this website called the help list, the help list. Uh, and it is a database on Airtable mm-hmm. of a lot of the people who are looking for jobs mm-hmm. due to COVID layoffs from mostly centered around startups. Okay. It's like a really self-selected database. Cause you have to go in and put your information, Got it. which again, for me is like self-starter. Mm-hmm. You went in and you took some initiative and you mm-hmm. put some information on this list. So I just was browsing that for BI analyst type roles. Mm-hmm saw his name, saw the notion page instead of just a regular LinkedIn link. Mm-hmm. So in that they have linked to your LinkedIn okay. and he linked to the notion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, already, wow. Already. I feel like this could be the guy. Damn. So you saw him, he had his LinkedIn, he had his notion link and that, like that sparked your interest. Yeah. I was like a bunch of LinkedIn's one notion mm-hmm. go in there. Do you use notion specifically? No, I don't. Okay. But more the fact that he had a landing page did it say like, you know, this is my landing page? It's yeah. Okay, okay, okay. He, instead of putting his LinkedIn profile, he put that. Okay, okay. So I saw. A personal okay. website. Exactly. Okay. Basically a personal website. Mm-hmm. Equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, it's smart to use Notion instead of a website. Less work, same result. Mm-hmm. And that basically was like, okay, he's thinking about this in a more clever way mm-hmm. than just the regular status quo. Yeah. And that's sometimes enough. Wow. So this guy, Nathan, really spent a lot of time building this uh, Notion database, hoping that would to impress someone and it paid off. That's Pretty really, really an out-of-the-box uh, strategy in terms of looking for um, a job. He's, he's creating some value or creating some, I guess, art, you would say, to put himself out there, make him stand out against other applicants. Yeah. And it's just separating yourself from the masses. Mm-hmm. Even... So sometimes people have like really flamboyant resume docs Mm -hmm. that can go both ways Mm -hmm. because it's like sometimes it just looks unprofessional. Mm -hmm. You have a word doc, but it's like heavily colored and you have your photo. Oh, Um, there's no people already put photos uh, still these days on their resume. Some some people do. And sometimes it looks good. And I think it's different for each profession, like Mm -hmm. what people what kind of resumes people like looking at. Mm -hmm. But I think for most jobs. You're going to be, again, with the masses. Yeah. Hundreds and thousands of applicants mm-hmm. for all these different jobs. Mm-hmm. Any moment you can stand out from the masses, mm-hmm. like I would think about it from the perspective of the recruiter. Okay. Think about their day to day. Yeah. And then think about all the moments where you can stand out from the masses mm-hmm. and like make a pinpoint of those moments mm-hmm. and be like, how can I do that in the most effective way? Mm-hmm. So I'd had an art guest uh, was on the show and he was really emphasizing on the concept of really mastering your storytelling abilities. And, you know, he said 
when you have a resume or you know you're about to go in a conversation pick seven i guess key skills or key value adds that you really believe in and for example you were working on this x project what was your role there and then craft a story around that specific experience and make yourself as the star of that story to highlight a specific skill uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's more in the interviewing stage mm-hmm. than the LinkedIn reach out stage. I mean, LinkedIn reach out, interviewing stage, notion stage. This is a, is a moment where you actually put an effort to you know, have yourself stand out. So this could be, you know, obviously in a conversation, but this could also be on, you know, a page or something like that. Oh, this is one skill, my story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I all for it as long mm-hmm. as it's not bullshitting. And I used to mm-hmm. be the person who used to bullshit. Mm-hmm. a lot on what, my resume what are the what are some um uh key signs of a, like a bullshitter um <laughs> there's a lot in my opinion okay uh usually if you're like a second year um, university student intern at big corporation mm-hmm. and you have your key points there being increased revenues by 200 mm-hmm. percent save the company and if you say assisted in saving the company uh-huh. 10 million dollars in cost usually you were not spearheading any of those yeah and to me that is like immaturity okay to okay. think that people won't catch on to that mm. um so i think what do you tell for like a person who's a recent grad mm-hmm. or you know still in school have a year left uh you know are those who just graduated during this pandemic what do you tell to those people? These people are struggling to find a job right now. Uh, how, or they don't have much work experience. What can they do to add to their story, add to their resume or whatnot? So I think... And without without bullshitting. So one, be honest mm-hmm. about where you are in your career. Because mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no shame in not having 10 years of work experience. Mm-hmm. You're just at that point in your life. It is For what sure. it is. Yeah. So just be honest about it. And then showcase, even without having that experience, if this is where you want to get to, you want to get to a certain place, mm-hmm. be an analyst or whatever it is, mm-hmm. what steps are you taking? Because what you do have usually in those, in those cases is time, mm-hmm. more time than anyone working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So how are you using your time in a smart way to get closer to where you want to be? Mm-hmm. And how do you highlight that in whether it's your resume Mm -hmm. or interviews or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if someone came to me and they were like, zero experience in analytics, Mm -hmm. I want to be a business intelligence analyst. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing in the side is think about what everyone else would be doing. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is like, I'm taking a Coursera course on SQL. Sure. I feel like that. Standard. Yeah, that's status quo. Mm -hmm. So you can't do, I'm taking a Coursera course on SQL. Mm -hmm. So... If you say, I went to my local um, restaurant Mm -hmm. that I love and I have a connection with them because I live in the neighborhood, I asked them for a bunch of their data and analyzed that, gave them some recommendations, TBD on whether what effect they'll have, Mm -hmm. but made a system where I can do this for a bunch of restaurants. Okay. Help them automate this and this, Mm -hmm. TBD on how much time it saves them. Mm -hmm. Or they were really grateful for that and they never thought they'd be able to 
so once again, going back to that self-starter attitude of like, okay, where can I leverage my skills, offer my skills for free just to get some sort of experience and a story, I guess, to talk to, um, to like a recruiter or someone who's actually hiring for that specific role. Yeah. And And have you interviewed people who were in those positions, you say, or like heard of stories of people in those positions who have like zero experience, but they really, really want to get into that field? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure I have. And so for even Nathan, for example, he was, I saw like on his notion, he Mm -hmm. linked out to this tableau that he was making, Mm -hmm. which was a heat map of all the black owned restaurants Mm -hmm. in Toronto. Okay. Uh, in light of all the stuff that's yeah. been happening recently. And that's amazing because mm-hmm. he found it, he found some sort of database or went to Google Maps mm-hmm. and compiled it in some way. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at the details of that because at that point we were already going to hire him. Mm-hmm. But already I was like, he has time. Mm-hmm. He's using that time to get closer. He showcased a, a product. You would exactly. Say. Yeah. And obviously it's a lot easier to do this for... The excuses I've heard is a lot easier to do this for engineering and design, mm-hmm. where it's like made wrote this code, yeah, did this, you know, here's mm-hmm. my GitHub, yeah, here's the stuff I've been doing on the side. Design, it's like did this, yeah. blah blah. It's just like it's like with those projects, there's like a end product that you can tangibly see. Exactly, but then even for them, I would say think about what your peers are doing who are applying to the same jobs. Mm-hmm. They're really doing the same thing. Yeah. So how do you stand out even further from them? Mm-hmm. So it's not good enough just to be, I also did this mm-hmm. in my peer group. I'm doing something different. Okay. So I think that plus being honest comes comes across really good. Okay. Wow. So what would you say to people who say, you know, have five or seven years under the belt who've done something completely different in their careers, but want to make a transition? And what do you also say to people who are, you know, maybe 20 years under experience under the belt and, you know, they don't have a job during a pandemic, but they're looking for a job. What do you say to those people? So essentially someone who's had a career, mm-hmm. years of experience, so yeah, let's but say want like, a transition. Yeah, mid-career transition versus like, you know, 20, 30 years. Got it. Mid-year transition. I think it's relatively similar. Mm-hmm. You think about what, like, out of the uh, where you want to be. Mm-hmm. One, I would say, think about: Are you okay taking a downward mm-hmm. trajectory in terms of your the more like usual titles and mm-hmm. all of that stuff? Are you okay with that mm-hmm. for the sake of learning? Mm-hmm. If you are, then you kind of take the same approach where mm-hmm. it's reach out to people, have a conversation, be honest about trying to change my career into this, this, and this. I think these skills are transferable, but these things I'll need to learn. Mm-hmm. Obviously, since these things I need to learn, I, I know I need to start more junior to learn these things, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping once I learn those things, I'll have a fully formed set of experiences that allow me to grow. Mm-hmm. Just be honest. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Reach out to people. Be honest. Showcase that even though you don't have experience in that specific field, you're trying to learn mm-hmm. where your blind spots are. Mm-hmm. Very much the same as someone with no experience. Okay. Um, and then the 20, 30 years, uh, not having a job right now, again, like, I think you need to ask yourself the hard question of, is this a situation where you used to be a VP at Pepsi and now you, you can only do VP roles Mm -hmm. or are you okay kind of joining either a smaller company or Mm -hmm. taking a less large scope and 
how can you provide value in that case? And okay. again, the same thing. I think you definitely gave a lot of great insights in terms of uh, strategies and standing out during you know the pandemic and, and job hunting. Let's talk a little bit more in terms of, okay, you're thinking about your career. You have a job right now. What are some, say, career philosophy or philosophy around the your own career in terms of managing it do you have that you think you have some interesting insight in? I would say it's all personal. Mm-hmm. I think everyone Obviously. has personal philosophies on their own career. Mm-hmm. Mine has always been learn, mm-hmm. optimize for learning and not for titles or money. Mm-hmm. Optimize for learning. Make sure the learning is something that you enjoy, mm-hmm. that you're enjoying the day-to-day of the learning. Mm-hmm. If you're optimizing for learning and enjoying the day-to-day of the learning, you can basically do unpaid work and feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the stuff will fall into place. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, I think that's a really good approach in itself. Uh, you know, However, not everyone, you would, I would say, is like right now privileged to be in a position where they can do unpaid work for like a substantial long time if they want to transition or whatnot uh what what would you say for them you know who you know who want to look for a job quick yet still go into the direction they want to go yeah i mean i've been fortunate to not have that situation so yeah. that's why my personal philosophy is clouded by my own personal privilege but um what i've read what i've heard is you can still do quote unquote low paid or unpaid work mm-hmm. where you're learning the things you want to learn. And then depending on what city you're in, usually you can get kind of a nine to five or part-time mm-hmm. job at a place where that's not what you want to do, mm-hmm. but it's help you helping you pay the yeah. bills. So I remember we had a conversation earlier, you know, about uh, the idea of negotiating mm-hmm. and negotiating salaries, compensation packages, and, you know, there are lots of people out there who are applying for jobs and they will get their job. Uh, during the negotiating phase right now, since it is, you know, an employer's market, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers type of like uh, attitude. How or what would you say to an applicant who are negotiating right now on their compensation package? And, you know, you, you read a lot of books, you read a lot of people saying, always negotiate, always negotiate. It's very important to negotiate because it's a sign that, uh, you know, you are fighting for something that you're believing in. You know, it's, it's a sign that you're competent. You know, you know, you believe in your own self-worth to an extent. Uh, what do you say or like any advice during the negotiating period? So, again, personal philosophy. Understand. Very much just my own opinion. I think for junior level positions, yeah. which is all the positions that I've kind of gone into at this stage in my career. Mm-hmm. I think my philosophy has been be grateful that you're getting an opportunity to do something that mm-hmm. you like mm-hmm. and that you want to grow in. Mm-hmm. Provide a lot of value to the company mm-hmm. to the point where you know for sure you're providing more value to them than you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. And the moment you're 100% confident in that, that's the time if if they don't proactively appreciate it, mm-hmm. but you're 100% confident in that that's the case, mm-hmm. that's a good time to... So how, how, how do you show you're, you're adding value more than what, uh, say, they're paying you for? How do you 
do your job and you know do it out of the way that that's above your job description like what do you do and like without stepping on the toes of other people well i think again uh limited to startups okay. there's always more work to go around mm-hmm. than there are people to do it mm-hmm. so if you just do your job description and if everyone just did their job description mm-hmm. there would probably be like only 50% of the stuff done Mm-hmm. there's like a whole other 50% that either no one's doing mm-hmm. no one knows how to do no one has the time to do or people are too lazy to do okay take some of that 50% do it mm-hmm. or take the stuff that's in your job description improve it mm-hmm. again an analytics example is someone would be like hey can you create this report for me mm-hmm. hey i created this report also automated it so we never have to create it again okay just like try and think about okay i've been asked to do this is there an opportunity to go above and beyond mm-hmm. is that in line with something i want to learn mm-hmm. if the answer to both are yes there's usually an opportunity to do something that mm-hmm. is above your quote unquote job so that's like part of this is uh you know if you're in a in a great culture or a company with a great culture you have the freedom to do this and and it's you're not really stopping on people's toes you you're encouraged to really try to add value and like uh put in a lot of work um for someone who is applying to startups what characteristics of a startups you think are you know green flags versus uh, red flags um i would say most startups if they've made it to a certain place mm-hmm. they have a culture where they're okay with you going above and beyond mm-hmm. uh in terms of red flags um there's the employee sentiment ranking website forgot mm-hmm. what it's called glassdoor glassdoor mm-hmm. so i would look at that just mm-hmm. look at some like if there's some major red flags if you've already had conversations with people at mm-hmm. the company generally you get some sentiment you mm-hmm. can ask a few questions there about what the culture is like mm-hmm. and you should have some sort of an idea and i would say most startups have this mentality of go above and beyond mm-hmm. and we will not uh, shun you for it it'll mm-hmm. be appreciated wow so thank you rohan uh you provide a lot of uh, great strategies and insights in terms of like job hunting or pandemic uh how to you know stand out uh amongst your peers and you know out of box ideas for you know pandemic job hunting and especially in the startup world so i really appreciate you taking your time uh to be on this podcast however I always give my guests 30 seconds to a minute on the end of the show to talk about whatever they want so the floor is yours um cool thanks for having me on and i think i would just say to all the people looking for jobs right now that i was in that position not too long ago trying to do this whole process mm-hmm. and i probably will be at some point in the future mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of work and it's probably quite frustrating at times mm-hmm. it really is worth it to find the right job for you mm-hmm. and going through the process as frustrating as it is helps build that muscle it probably helps you build a network and it helps you build an understanding of all these different types of companies and what mm-hmm. they do and how they're different mm-hmm. so it will be useful in the future to go through it okay thank you thanks man this is the end of the show Thank you for tuning into the Pandemic Job Hunt podcast. As always, I would love to get feedback, so don't hesitate to get in touch through my Twitter at @andrewhnberry or LinkedIn.